0: Welcome to Healthcare 2030. This program features conversations and interviews with respected healthcare industry experts discussing the latest topics regarding current issues today and the future of healthcare, innovation, and technology. To learn more about Oxio Health, head over to oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxiohealth.io. Now here's your host, Noel Guillama.
1: Welcome to Healthcare 2030. My name is Noel Giyama, and I am the chairman of OXIO Health, a Florida-based healthcare platform company that combines services technology to advance the care of patients. I'd like to introduce Carl Larson, the COO of OXIO Health Incorporated.
0: Good afternoon, Noel. It's a pleasure to be here. This is, uh, well, technology is my, uh, it's my love, I guess, but uh, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be fun.
1: Well, this is uh, podcast number 25 for us, which is a big accomplishment. And the subject, as Carl alluded to, has been technology. We've talked uh, in a series of podcasts about the uh, consolidation of doctors, the component that, that real estate plays in the delivery of care, and why that's not going to change. And then um, in the last podcast, we talked about technology and why uh, technology hasn't made a dramatic improvement yet in healthcare. The challenges of technology and we uh if i recall we started it all the way from uh the government insurance companies hospitals providers and i think we sort of left it at, at the uh at the interaction between um providers and patients mm-hmm. uh, because that's the yeah. most important uh, that communication inter- that there
0: patient, is that patient patient physician interface is
1: critical got it so if i remember we also talked about sort of the the at the end really the the, the subject of telemetry in a hospital mm-hmm. and the the similarities between remote patient care and as we talked before we we, we can't afford a society to give the doctor any more information more data that that that, that hasn't been processed right. uh, we need to give them data that's already been processed I think we use examples of cars in that example um, and one of the things that we could jump r- jump into because it it ties in both 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 remote care, and sort of home based telemetry in this example, um, and 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 in, our, and in communication, which is telemedicine. I mean, we've just witnessed we have are witnessing, but in particularly in the summer of last year of 2020, we saw just an explosion in the use of telemedicine right. because people uh, <clears throat> should not and did not go well, to see were, their doctor. They were right? locked
0: down, and 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 in in particular the. Um, the senior population they were they were and people who had comorbidities they weren't
1: leaving they weren't leaving home well if i remember reading the statistics i think we may have talked about them in a a few podcasts before Mm -hmm. the the peak utilization of telemedicine in the united states um was like april and may of 2020 and the number um was representing something north of 70% of all patient encounters with telemedicine. About, right? yeah. I think the number was 74%, at least that's what's reported. And in, in, almost immediately when that peak, I guess we'd call it today now, first wave, right, um, happened, um, by the summer, by, by June, July, and August, uh, the, we were seeing already tremendous data about those that had those comorbidities, he talked about going back to see the doctors um, because they needed to to interact with the doctors physically, so that the I remember seeing data that the first people that were back back like back to 50/50 50, 50 were those over 70, yeah, and then it was people in the 60s and so forth, and then what we know uh, is that by the spring of this year, uh, telemedicine numbers were now in the teens, so it went from like that 74 percent. To somewhere in the teeth, depending on, on, on who gave you the data, it was seventeen percent, it was fifteen percent. Um and then, you know, and, and that that sort of that goes through at least what what we in Florida, but most of the country experience were really the, through the second wave. So even even in the second wave that we got, which is basically the winter of twenty twenty, the utilization of, of telemedicine did not go above the peak of, of let's call it the summer of twenty twenty. Right. And now in many places, certainly in, in the United States and in particular Florida we're at, we're, we, we seem to be, you know, sort of past or maybe it appears to be past the third wave of, of, of COVID. And what I'm seeing is, I've gotten to see my doctor a couple of times, is there is a, a different protocols and more procedures, but patient there's patient throughput. There's a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. So if you remember, we had some conversation with some investors uh, last summer and some people are saying, why do we need physical offices? And I'm like, well, you you, you clearly are, are are young. And I don't mean discriminatory young. But you clearly are young and understand it. But doctors need to see the patient interact with the patient um, when you have a lot of comorbidities. And a lot could be two or three. Certainly, by the time you get to three, there's a lot of interactions. There's a lot of procedures that need to be done, sure. testing that needs sure. to be done. You know, you. know it, even with the, 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 the two sensors, the four set the the four lead EKGs you need a real EKG if you have a heart condition right. okay um, Even with the oxygen you know monitors that we have that we can have at home right. the doctor's going to be looking at a spirometer. they're going to look at a little bit more scientific data. The, the doctor wants to hear your heart and though again there's some remote items, for, for, for maintenance, they might work, sort of like a remote uh, stethoscope.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember an old, uh, an old and I, he was an old doctor even when I was young, and he could not practice medicine today because of the way he practiced and what he knew. He would look in your eyes. He could he could tell what was going on in your eyes. He'd smell your breath. He, he used to say, I can tell more about what's going on with you by your breath and then about anything else I do he'd listen to your breathing and your heart with a stethoscope he'd do the the, the, the uh, reflex tests and uh, you know that was it he knew
1: what was going on so he couldn't do it today so one of the things that I, I always talk to doctors about is you know how valuable is telemedicine and we've been a big believer in telemedicine we've talked about it right we worked no, we, on a telemedicine project in yeah. 1995, 1996. Uh, we updated the the EHR. Our EMR. Yeah. We updated it with telemedicine. telemedicine so right? it's important for sure. And the best reports that I have read say that telemedicine was basically about one percent of patient encounters in uh, let's call it December of 2019. Right. And we talked about the peak being you know you know give or take you know set over 70 percent. Right now, I I have to think it's probably below 10 percent. Uh, I haven't seen the, the recent data, nobody you know takes a right. while to report it. Yeah. but I got think it's below 10% based on the interactions that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Even in spite that in in particular Florida where we're at, we, we've got a pretty big peak uh, in in COVID, particularly because of this delta virus uh, virus. Um, so telemedicine, I think, has a permanent forever role in the treatment of patients. and especially yeah. with a couple of things happen, when you have some of those remote patient care monitoring, I mean, we did a study that for about six hundred dollars, we could get a consumer. Remember, we talked about that in consumer difference between patient and consumer That's the last week. We could get them a set of tools of, of devices they could have at home, all of them with access to the internet. Okay, using voice, you know, uh, uh, internet protocols, um, or IOTs to communicate uh, with the central station that we could process that information, and we could use machine learning. Okay, maybe not quite AI today because I don't think it's there, and then be able to tell the doctor, we've got these data sets for the patient, this is what they they have. The patient gained 10 pounds in, in a month or two months. That probably is a value, mm-hmm. especially if the patient has diabetes or has congested heart failure. That, that could be pretty critical in certain cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that could be very big deal. Uh, I think that telemedicine is going to end up sort of averaging, uh, if when there is a post-COVID, or whatever becomes normalized, let's call it, probably on 5 or 6%, which is pretty big. I mean, it's pretty big from 1% to 6%, even if it takes two or three years. Right. And I think that once you integrate that with the, the right devices and the right training from the doctors, uh, I believe that remote patient care has the potential to materially, measurably, change the quality and cost of health care over the next decade, I think it's, it's probably the single biggest uh, single component that could change healthcare. More EMRs, more data is not going to change it. Um, but and, and, and telemedicine by itself is certainly not going to change it. But when you have remote patient monitoring that's real time and consistent, that is processed correctly, mm-hmm. um, I think that's going to be a great opportunity because we're going to able to know. Um, we, meaning the healthcare industry and the healthcare providers, going to know problems literally as they emerge, as they emerge. So, so with somebody that has congestive, congestive heart failure they gain four or five pounds and their oxygen levels drop by two points, that might mean something to a doctor.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay? Especially, especially for a specific
1: patient. Exactly. Yeah. That might mean something to the yeah. doctor and say, come on in and see me. Okay? Before the patient sees the problem, feels the problem, Right. And, 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 and ends up either in urgent care or, or even worse, in a hospital.
0: Well, I think there's another factor here as well, and that is remote patient monitoring allows better management of our clinical resources. You know, too many patients, and, and I've heard many doctors say this and, and hospital uh, administrators, we have people in the hospital not because they need to be in the hospital, but only because home isn't somewhere that is safe for them. And if we could monitor them effectively at home, then we wouldn't have to have them here. And we've got more beds that open up. We've got staff that we can, we can re, re, uh, re, you know, send out other, other places. Um, so it changes the whole landscape of the way a patient is managed and, and care is provided.
1: If you remember, we talked about again in previous podcasts, even blogs, about some hospitals in the in the depth of COVID of last summer when right. we're still trying to figure out how to treat it or or, or what prevention. Some hospitals were doing remote ERs and remote uh, ICUs, okay, where they were literally sending the patient home, sending a nurse, uh, having routine visits and things like that. Um, because it was just safer for the patient. So I, right. I have a feeling, and I, I've been of the opinion, I wrote blogs about it, that we probably have, not you know, too many hospital beds in this country. We don't need them all, and some of them are in the wrong places. But if we're able to go out there, and I'm going to use the word kit, but it's it's too simplistic. But with a package of of tools and devices, be able to monitor a patient. Um, you know, hospitals. They do the best they can, but they're dangerous places.
0: Well, they are, but the the one thing I'll say about your kit is that whatever those devices are, they're going to have to be non-intrusive to the patient, Mm -hmm. or there will be no compliance. And then we're right back to where we were without them. And uh, so I think that's where I expect to see technology come um, racing up to support what what healthcare needs to have and and we're back to our discussion our question really uh, in the in the last podcast which which is which is driving right is technology driving healthcare or healthcare driving technology and i think i think this is a case where healthcare is driving technology healthcare is saying look we've this remote patient care is a good thing we we've, we've got to have device support we've got to have the data support, we've, we've got to be able to work with this because uh, it's, it's going to make a big difference.
1: I think the support is the key. I think the technology is already there. The, the, the thing is the support, how to use it, instead of just, you know, giving it to them and then figure it out. By the way, the same thing with the patient. Um, it, it, it is about educating the doctor, educating the patient. But the biggest single problem about this is who pays for it and why do they well, pay yeah, for it? Of
0: course. That's so
1: what, when, 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 when companies, and we talked about this before, try to come up with a new solution, um, and they try to sell it to the hospitals for remote patient monitoring, well, the hospital, that's not their business. Their business is acute care. Right. Uh, when you try to sell it to the doctor, the doctor's figuring, trying to figure out, well, how do I get paid for it? Who pays for it? Do I get paid for the interpretation? That's their time. That's that's their business. That's their value. Right. And one of the things that and we've talked about this before, one of the, the big uh the, 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 the big uh player that has incentives really are the insurance companies, and particularly the 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 groups that they use to do care management, mm-hmm. whether you call it uh, value based care, I prefer calling it managed care. Um because it, it, it then allows them to have a financial incentive to keeping the patient healthy, right. as healthy as possible, as much as home as possible. And by the way, it also improves the patient's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know the few times that I've had to be in the hospital, there's been nothing good about it. And, and even though much they tried everything from the, the noise, the sound, the food, everything. Um, so to the extent that a patient can be home and either recovering um uh or can avoid totally the emergency room those resources can be used for something right. else so right th- i think that is a single biggest merger of technology and services is in remote patient care monitor.
0: Well, i think that's an example of the technology infused healthcare care that we've been talking about mm-hmm. we've sort of branded ourselves because that's the kind of thing that is going to advance the state of healthcare. care it's going to advance the quality of care, and it's going to help to reduce the cost of care. I mean, you,
1: you did something, you know, you just said something very important, and sometimes I forget that we do talk about it, because you, you, you have a lot of companies and organizations um, at every level where they talk about it, they're technology-enabled. I, I, every time I hear that word, mm-hmm. uh, it makes me a little ill, because technology-enabled is anything, All right. okay? Uh, today, it's anything. You know, a voice over IP phone system is technology enabled. I mean, first of all, it's incredibly sophisticated. It's software driven. Um, and it, it literally, you know, lives on the Internet. It's plugged but at the into end of the, the day, internet.
0: day But at the end of the day, it's still a telephone. It's still voice communication. Right. So it's technology enabled to me. I just draw the picture of something that just bolts, bolts on. It doesn't it doesn't it's not seamlessly integrated it bolts on and it may make it a little better a little faster whatever but it's it's bolted on it's not really anything new it doesn't change that underlying functionality the underlying functionality of voice over ip is still a phone and right. it's still voice to voice
1: and the companies that have done really well with technology whether they're banking or retail or, or for that matter shipping um and inventory management has been when they've really integrated um, their operations the the, the the operations of the business mm-hmm. with the technology and you can't separate them apart you right. know, whether it's an app on your phone or your computer or the way they track it uh, or GPS it's all integrated uh, and that hasn't happened in healthcare we're not we're not there yet we're close we're right i mean we're we're within the next few years it, i believe it will happen but the is as as I, as I said uh as i literally said earlier this morning there there hasn't been a steve jobs in healthcare that says we're going to change dynamics we're, we're not going to try and last time we talked about phones right we're not going to try to make a better blackberry what if there's no keys you know external right. keys right. And what right. if what if the the, the the whole screen is made of glass and, and 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 I mean that that transformation, right. and that visionary has yeah. not happened in yeah. healthcare I hold yet. It,
0: I hold it to my forehead, and it knows what I want it to do.
1: Uh, I, that's
0: ridiculous, obviously. But the point is that, you know, the 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 whole issue of technology to me doesn't happen on a smooth, rising, continuum. It it comes in jumps. It comes in steps. So we are right at that cusp of having another step change in technology that is now truly the integration and infusion of technology into healthcare
1: i mean i think i think part of the driver is not only do we have the technology and, you know the innovators that have been there and the funding that have been there right. but i also believe that one of the one of the drivers and why i'm so optimistic for the next decade is that you now have baby boomers Okay, that are, have been entering healthcare's um, high utilization years, 65 and over, since starting in 2012. So that that they let's call it you know nine years into the process, the peak baby boomers are still four years away. Mm-hmm. So that those those individuals, okay, including both of us, understand the way you use of technology. They used it for work. They had to adapt. Whether it was in the '80s or the a, '90s, they a figured minute. it if out. the baby
0: boomers didn't just figure it out; they designed it and built it.
1: So now you, you have those now you have those people, including us, that are yeah. using technology. Somebody somebody gives us a little bit of advanced technology that may have, that, you know, they may have really disrupted our, our parents, or our grandparents. It would have, it would have been impossible. It, right. it would have been sort of the equivalent of magic. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Uh, now you're used to doing that. You know, I I can't imagine uh, if somebody you know, in that generation, it is used to using the internet and computers and cell phones, and doctors are still giving them a piece of paper. By the way, they still do that. I I when I go to the doctor, they still give me a piece of paper. But <laughs> why am I doing this on paper? <laughs> yeah. But but again, this is sort of you know, uh, still at the early stages. So now I think because of COVID, I think the positive impact of COVID, and we talked about this, remember that conversation we had, the golden rat? The golden rat, yeah. (laughs) Okay, is that COVID uh, has accelerated uh, a a lot of technologies that we haven't yet seen. Well,
0: it's because it it illuminated the gaps that existed in healthcare to begin with. And and those things were always there. We were just kind of quietly behind the scenes trying to address them, until COVID came along and pulled it like the Wizard of Oz pulled the curtain back.
1: Yeah. So that, that I think that's really a big deal. Um, we talked about how, in particularly, for example, Medicare is trying to, in in one aspect, sort of drive technology, certainly interoperability, um, trying to drive the managed care companies to provide more benefits but on the other side they're rating them with stars you know one to five stars right uh so trying to create much more consumer and i could tell you watching what they're doing when an hmo in the medicare advantage which is what it's called uh gets five stars or four and a half stars or even north of four they're out there bragging okay sure. uh, and they should <laughs> uh because when i when i get a call from a friend that says listen i gotta go into medicare Um, what do I do? And I'm like, if you want predictable costs, if you want somebody to, to be, uh, your advocate, okay. Uh, then I'd go into managed care. Which one do you pick? I'm like, okay, here's the, what you pick. You pick the one that has the most amount of benefits and the highest stars. That's it. The name is not as important. So you tell me this one has, because you want to have dental care or you want to have massages, or you want, you know, a... a Silver, a, silver sneakers. A silver sneak, whatever or, you want. Or vision, or... Yeah, and then go out there and area. tell me how many stars it has. And right. if it has right. anything less than three, anything less than four, don't talk to them. Go to the next one. Right, keep, keep Okay. The opinion. question is now, is it four? Is it four and a half or five? Very few fives. So I, I, I'm not going to say always go for the five. Sometimes the fives, you know, great service, great quality, for sure. Measurable quality. I'm not talking about just consumer, hey, it feels good, No, it's right. measurable quality, it's a combination. So Medicare is very smart. Um, so that's the highest thing. Go for the best benefit with the high stars. If you get all your benefits at five stars, go for it. Um, in, in in our area here in South Florida, uh, most of the HMOs even get back the, the Medicare Part B Premium, which is $145. So they're literally giving back the consumer cash that's where i think the the big value and maybe maybe we'll start talking about that next right. in that podcast is the value that that the u.s can contribute to to health most countries look at the united states um healthcare system and they think it's it, it it's broken and you can argue it's certainly broken it's certainly the most expensive it's not the best what is the value that i, I think one of the values that the united states system can bring to the world is sort of that managed care environment is, is the ability to say, how about using government power to create a much more competitive private enterprise? <laughs> yeah, well, so now you can be in
0: quality. That's an oxymoron. But, you know, the other the, the other point you make is that the, I don't think, and I'm just going to say this uh, because it's, it's my sort of gut reaction, but I don't think there's another nation – that does health care as well for as large a population as we have. Those countries that I know do have what is perhaps considered a better health care system are much, much smaller. I mean, not even
1: the population of Florida, for that matter, so... Well, I mean, you make you make an interesting point for two reasons. First of all, we have an incredibly diversified population. Yes. Um, we have overwhelming you know, everybody here effectively is an immigrant or has been an immigrant, or is a descendant of immigrants. There are literally very few Native Americans. Uh, Other than so, the true Native American. Right? Exactly. So, yeah. so, you know, my family came from Cuba and, you know, yours came from Northern Europe originally mm-hmm. and everybody came from somewhere. So this is a very interesting dynamics of having that kind of population. Uh, That's very important. The other thing that you find very interesting is that the advances of healthcare in the United States are also unique. It is very common to read uh, of the the, the wealthiest, most powerful, richest people in in the world coming to some of our premier hospital systems for care, whether it is Brigham and Women's in, in, in Boston, whether it's NYU. Lango medical center whether it's cleveland clinic mayo clinic md anderson mm-hmm. so that quality is incredibly good there's And there's no question could,
0: they could go anywhere and they could, they could go
1: anywhere so what we need what we need to do is take is is is, is obviously spread that quality across the system in totality mm-hmm. but i believe that the biggest opportunity and that's for the business that we are in as a company in oxio health is is really the communication the 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 way that doctors communicate to each other the way they communicate to the patients and the way there's information and data flow right Uh, how do we take the data of of interactions from the insurance company from the hospitals and give that tool to the doctor with and, and by the way not just not giving them a burden and last time we talked about scribes for example is we as a company our goal is to not just provide better quality care at lower cost, but also um, improving the lifestyle of the providers. Sure. So that they do not spend as much time documenting things that that either assistants can do or automation can do um, or voice recognition can do, um, because we really have a, a... We had a burnout problem before COVID, Covid is just magnified, and it's it's horrible to, to read about it. That doctors literally are just getting burnt out.
0: Well, they spend so much time in in school and in training and in residency, and then and then in practice. And it's their intellectual knowledge that we're buying. We're not buying their ability to input into a into an iPad. That's that's where that's where the system falls apart. And that's why we have concentrated on going another route and, and, and making that human-machine interface much easier.
1: And that's very important. That's why we've, we've tried to look at it you know, in, in, in its totality. We right. try not to say, okay, we're just going to be a technology company because we've seen too many technology companies fail to change the system. And in in a totality, tech, I don't believe that the technology again back to that information technology, not not diagnostic technology, has not measurably changed the system. We're looking at you know uh, life expectancies down even before COVID. Right. Costs are going up. Where's the impact? Right. Right. Um, and but I do again think that COVID was, was historically become a very important point. Again, at the same time... Oh, it's a pivot point, no question. At the same time yeah. that you have a baby boomers coming in, at the same time you have, you know, better technology, easier to use technology. So I, I think there's tremendous opportunities.
0: Well, I, I honestly, I really do hate to throw out another, another example, but, you know, being a pilot for, well, since I was 17, I look at the way cockpits were designed and the flight decks on some of the early commercial jets. And and where they are today, and the systems that have been have been now added to the added to the aircraft, to both in monitoring as well as controls. And without that glass panel, as we refer to it, a pilot wouldn't be able to manage the aircraft. Well, Not remember, the old analog, analog
1: dials and everything else. Forget I, about I, it. it. I remember. Ain't happen. I, I remember, It's funny because I was thought about the other day. Is I was looking at pictures of uh the original um um uh, space shuttle oh yeah. yeah and and all of the literally hundreds of buttons and dials that that it had clocks
0: literally. we used to call them clocks right and <laughs> yeah.
1: then you look at at the recent spacex shuttle and it's got i think four uh, flat screen monitors right and that's it that's it and yep. and, and it, it much much more accurate much, much cheaper much everything
0: well and much more information that is provided ergonomically, but also in a fashion that an individual can assimilate much more quickly. Right. And so that's really where our our design has in and what we've been doing has been focused is that not so much ergonomics, but in the assimilation of data.
1: No, but but the interesting thing about that comment too is on a per launch inflation adjusted, mm-hmm. the current uh Space missions are a fraction of the what cost. they used to cost. Oh, yes. So, you know, again, something that I said uh, recently in a conversation uh, on, 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 on social media mm-hmm. is the only way that we can get better quality care is actually by reducing the cost. And the only way to reduce the cost is by getting quali- better quality care. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I, I argued that we already have more technology in healthcare. Again, back to that information technology. Right. That healthcare can use, and the reality is that we already have more money in tech in healthcare than it needs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, every time we have a problem in healthcare, we just throw more money at it instead of fixing the system. So we've been doing that as a society for 50 years.
0: Well, we've been enabling some uh,
1: some bad performers too, and and you have healthcare. a lot of that too. I mean, there, there's yep. a there, there's a material amount. First of all, there's a mat- dramatic number literally in the hundreds of billions of dollars in administrators' cost. Right. There's there's literally hundreds of billions of dollars um, in 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 unnecessary care, in redundant care. And redundant, and, 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 and redundant
0: right. diagnostic care. Yeah, how many
1: how many X-rays can you get or how many MRIs can you get for the same problem? Right. And then you obviously have a healthy amount of fraud and abuse. Mm-hmm. So those three components are a very big number that could be there's certainly four or five hundred billion dollars. You can't eliminate all of it, but you can materially impact that. Yeah. Uh, plus, again, if you start using this technology for more diversion of patients, as we talk about diverting the patient from the emergency room to urgent care, diverting them from the urgent care to 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 to, to the extended hours facility, right. diverting them from extended hours to regular hours. So the, the best the best care to the patient is closest to their personal doctor. Yes. And okay? and, and home. And at home, which is usually the same, you know, sort of some right. scenario. Right. So that's where we, clearly technology can play a role, and that's why we're so excited about technology. Um, well, that's
0: why we think that technology is really going to bring about that next plateau shift in in healthcare, but technology driven by healthcare itself, right. not technology driving.
1: Well, that's what that I'd say. I our, our, our believe as a company, and, and I know you share it also, is that we need to bring back the, the healthcare services and the technology and the systems and the processes right. together. Right. Instead of creating more silos, uh, 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 redundancy, repetition, uh, all of those things that we have, we, we have been witnessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now bringing it all back together so that the technology company is a service provider and the service provider is a technology. Yep. And and yep. we've we've coined it as, as um, you know, technology infused care. That's the best way we can do it. And that's that's who we are as a company. That's who we are as a philosophy.
0: Yes. And so far, it's been it's been working. I mean, it's been amazing to see how the rest of the industry is transforming around
1: our, our goals and objectives. Good. Yeah. I, I agree with you, uh, obviously. And then one of the things that maybe in closing we talk about that right now all the technology has been based on, 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 the, on the provider, meaning the, the hospital or the doctor, we are starting to see uh, it move much more to the consumer side. And with that also the, the the probability, which is sort of my long term view, is that eventually the medical record is going to belong to the patient. Not, not awesome. just be right. controlled by the patient, but literally belong to the patient. Right. And we've got a couple of initiatives both in our in our medical record and in our blockchain that 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 the doctors are going to eventually synchronize to the patient's master or or we call it universal medical.
0: Universal, record. right. Well, I mean and you know, the the issue too has been and, and we've talked about this I think in a previous podcast, who owns that medical record? Well, you know, the ownership of that medical record, when you get right down to it, has been the provider. They've owned it.
1: Well it they goes back to it. possession. They possess, possess, it. possess it. Possession, they possess possession it.
0: is nine points, right? So but that's that's shifting now. And and you're and I'm I'm you know, you and I are in total agreement here that it needs to be the patient. Right. It's their medical record, theirs.
1: Right. I mean, the law says it's owned by the patient. Yeah, well. But if somebody said something, possessions, like 10th of the law or something. Yeah, something like so that, So yeah. it, it legally is owned by the patient. Mm-hmm. But f- physically or electronically, it's owned by the doctor. And That is, we're right there, Carl. We're right there. <laughs> I don't know. It, it won't be this year, I'm pretty sure, but it could be yeah. next year. And maybe we will be part of that transition where the patient um controls their what we call the personal health or personal wellness record. That's right. Yeah. So I think I think with that we'll put this into a close. Um and, and finish this series that, that dealt with uh uh the providers, uh the real estate, the physicality of care right. and the technology. Those three pillars. And uh maybe next time we'll tackle a little bit more about Medicare and Managed Care, the the uh, trustees for Medicare just came out a report. They're concerned about that Medicare is going to run out of, oh. uh, of funds uh, and, uh, and and sort of the normalization of care. Uh, again, whether we call it post-COVID or with COVID, I, I, I don't know enough to, to know what's the difference. Yeah. Uh, but there will be a time after where we are today. So with that in closing, we want to thank all of our, our listeners, um, historic. Uh, we may celebrate our 25th podcast and uh I, I think we're still learning so hopefully you have a lot of patience <laughs> with us so well yeah we definitely
0: everyone is uh is a is a different challenge everyone has uh, every podcast we do is is <clears throat> seems to be different but uh, i think that's that's
1: the good of it and a learning experience and for a learning experience right so thank you very much well. thank you very thank much you. until and next time all right goodbye everybody
0: thank you for listening to our podcast To learn more about our company, please check out our website at oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxiohealth.io.